Welcome back. We're here at the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, good evening, everyone. I hope you're doing well. Jake, how are you doing this evening, sir? I'm doing better than well. How about that? I'm doing rail, maybe even top shelf tonight. That's are you? How... Wait, is it? What is? The... Hold on. What's the order behind a bar? Is it rail then well, or is it well and then rail? It's well because works? they're down in the whale in the wells, you know, behind the bar. Down, down by your whale. down by your shins. That that's the well. Oh, and okay. then at the rail, then it's top shelf. So I was right. I was right. Is what we're hearing. So I am doing better <laughs> than well. And right now I am I am uh, a rail only because on this episode I I have chosen to clear my slate for our beer bets from 2019, and so I will have to chug a steel reserve coming up here. That's my it's my own fault. I chose to do it this way, but that's why I'm rail right now and not high shelf. All right. Well, I can't wait to see this. Uh, it's been a long time since we've paid off a beer bet here, so uh, it, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to, to come back to this. Well, it's like, you know, the quarantine has already taken out so so much from us. Why would we put ourselves through this? You know, I think we both kind of gave each other a little bit of flexibility here due to that that we didn't want to push the uh, beer bet payouts onto the other person, but it's just time. Mm -hmm. It's just time to get this done with. It is. It it really is. I I almost checked to see if you had a separate steel reserve for myself and we could, we could do dual payouts at the same time. Uh, That would have been glorious. I just, I wasn't in the right frame of mind to do steel reserve again. Let's be honest. Are you The one time was enough. (laughs) Has anybody in the history of this world ever been ready for a steel reserve? I submit they have not. No. Oh, no. It's quite the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But that's not the crux of the show. What what are we actually talking about here tonight? So this week we are talking about red flags or players we are avoiding. Um, You know, just the guys that we are looking at that are either being drafted too high, in our opinion, ADP-wise, or just flat-out people that we are not on board with for this season for whatever reason. And we will give plenty of them, I'm sure. Oh, we'll give some reasons. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've never really been a guy who's like, I will absolutely never draft this person with very few exceptions. Very this few. isn't about that. This is no, These are not guys that will never draft, no matter what, gun to our head. This is just This is a group that we are not as impressed with that we will probably have no uh, shares in if you want to consider it that way. That's right. Absolutely. But before we get into that and we get this beer bet payoff uh, going here, what are you drinking that that will replace the steel reserve? Well, I've I've been drinking for the last couple of hours because, as I told you before we, we came on air here, I was not about to have Steel Reserve be the first taste of beer that I had tonight. So as you should. I've been, <laughs> I've been going through some, but right now what I'm drinking official for the show, it's called Getting Tiki With It. I it's love the pina, name. Yeah, a pina colada wheat from left hand. It's a nitro, so it pours that nice like Guinness smoothness. Mm-hmm. Nice. But in wheat... I, I take points off right away for the name because this came out recently and they made a Will Smith, you know, Willennium joke, which I just feel like it's a little bit behind the times. But that but it did not affect the taste. I'll say. Let's be fair. Craft beer was not really a thing back when that album was out. So you got to give them a pass. 
they had an opportunity and they went and they took it. That's right. That's right. What are you drinking? I am going a little off brand. No beer this evening. I am doing a cider. Uh, as I was telling you before we started recording, my sister in law was in town a couple weeks ago, and for some reason. Her and my wife decided to buy a bunch of ciders. I don't know why. Uh, and they decided to leave them and not drink them. So I have a bunch of ciders. So I'm drinking Cider Boys here. Just a hard cider. Traditional hard cider. I actually really like it. It's it's kind of refreshing. Something different. What's what's the untraditional hard ciders that are out there right now? I, like, I couldn't they, tell you. Some like, cider's not in my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> they ferment some of these ciders in like a boot. Is that what makes them a non-traditional cider? It could be. I don't know. That's so a good maybe question. Maybe they use mangoes instead of the traditional apple. Maybe I'll have to get out in the interwebs and figure it out and come back to you for uh, next episode here. This is the kind of research that I think our fans crave. So. That's right. That's yeah, right. I it's not our fantasy football analysis. No. Of course not. <laughs> All right, but this is a good uh, segue as any to discuss our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week. What do we got, oh. Jake? Look, uh, this is not. I'm going to preface this. This is not not the most absurd drunk trade that I've seen pass through uh, these digital walls here, but it is it is something. Because we it's got some high-value <laughs> names at play. These are not like low-grade, uh, as as John Helmkamp so astutely said in our, our chat here, well-level guys. These <laughs> are real respectable fantasy assets. So mm-hmm. this came from at PTW Fantasy on the Twitter and prefaces it, definitely drunk. So there we go. Yeah. We got that part out of the way. I hope so. Says, shot my shot two months back on CMC. So here we go. Big star mm-hmm. coming. He sent James Conner, he sent Derrick Henry, he sent Leonard Fournette, and he sent the 309. Okay, this is his Dynasty League. No mention of a format, not that it particularly Mm -hmm. matters here. We're just going to assume PPR because that's what we do. Of course. Um, But obviously your super flexes and whatnots have no bearing on this. Okay, so CMC, the the study leads, the uh, master and commander of running backs right now for Conner, Henry, Fournette, and a third round pick. What says you? I don't like it uh, only because uh, that's just a lot to give up for CMC. Not that that's, I don't think it's an unfair trade at first blush. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of the deal you have to make in order to get CMC. it's, It's right there. Maybe not quite, this might be a little bit off, but I mean, it's not out of the park crazy. Um, You know, it's, it's essentially three first round picks for CMC, which I feel like would be pretty much the going rate these days. Uh, yeah. You know, Derrick Henry is a first rounder. Uh, he's a RB1. First Four- rounder at least, let's say. Yeah, yeah. First rounder at yeah, Fournette, he was an RB1 last year. I'm expecting more of the same this year. And Connor, we've seen him perform at a high level. I know he's got the injury risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're giving up a lot of depth, though, to get one player. You're essentially getting getting rid of three starting running backs for one. And that's where I really have the issue. Here's, I guess, how I looked at it. I think what you said at the start is very true, which is this is the going rate for CMC. I mean, you can luck out. um, You can totally luck out and get him for for less if if your league mates just don't value him that way. But that is going to be a one in a million shot. Mm -hmm. I really think this is the type of thing. The biggest piece there is obviously Derrick Henry, I think, for everybody. Um, Derrick Henry 
just an absolute beast. I like Fournette for this year a lot. I do. And I like James Conner for this year a lot. And I like Derrick Henry for this year a lot. I like the three of them for this year a lot. I do not like any of those individuals for long term. Not mm-hmm. a single one. Because what we've seen coming up with all of the free agents that are, are coming out in 2021, combined with the weirdness of the college, uh, college is not playing or half playing, some playing, and how those guys are come out, it just doesn't seem like any of those guys has safety for next year. CMC has safety for next mm-hmm. year. I mean, CMC is not leaving Carolina. CMC is not going to degrade, I don't think, um, much for these next couple of years. So that's why... If you are not a contender this year, and it seems maybe counterintuitive, but I would absolutely take CMC in this. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if, if you really weren't believers in, in those three running backs, you could probably mm-hmm. trade them for other decent rebuilding pieces to other contenders rather than package them all together to get CMC. But I think that's fair. But as he said, he was definitely drunk. So that definitely plays something into it as well. So So. can we really fault him? No, absolutely. Hypothetically, sure, we can. That's what we're here for. We're here to judge. Okay, I suppose we can judge. But like I said at the outset, it's not super outrageous where I'm like, oh, my God, he got hosed on that. Um, But it's not great either. It's all running backs. If he had started throwing out some high value wide receiver names in that mix instead, I would have questioned it. I just think with the weirdness of the, the running back position at this point, I, I, you could do a lot worse for a drunk trade, I guess is mm-hmm. my point. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. So I'll put that on the scale of drunk trades. I would say that is a four to five bourbon shotter, you know, and he's and he's feeling good, but he's feeling confident, you know, like oh, yeah. he could hit the hit floor at any moment. Yep. I agree. Okay. okay. Yeah, so good on you, PTW Fantasy. So are, are you prepared? Ah, fuck me. I'm as prepared as I'm ever going to be to do this. Oh, I'm so excited. To do this for the folks who are watching. So so the deal is, normally we wouldn't have to do a full tall boy of steel reserve. You usually do half, because that's what we agreed upon prior to this. But since you're doing two beer bets, you're chugging the entire thing. Yeah, I am using this as my slate clearer for 2019 beer bets. We both have two as of now, right before this happens, to clear off of our slates. Mm -hmm. So I am taking the red off of my ledger in one foul swoop with a steel reserve. Let's backtrack. Let's explain what these were that led to this point. So in 2019, we each made, let's start with this, we each made a bold prediction every week. Okay, and the deal was if one of our bold predictions came true, the other person had to drink. And we had to, they had to be genuinely bold. They right. Not just mm, kind of bold. So yours was, here's the one that I'm paying off for you, okay? This was week 15, and you said that Jameis Winston would throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. In retrospect, yes, bold, but also like totally plausible because it's fucking Jameis Winston. Um, and it was not just plausible. It crazy exceeded those expectations. He actually threw for 458 yards and four touchdowns. Yes. So fuck me. <laughs> so I deserve this. I really deserve this. Now, the one that I deserve a little bit less was the beer bet that we had about David Montgomery. Now, do you recall this one, Dustin? I do not. Please refresh me. I like to hear about things I do well. So, yes, please tell me all about myself. <laughs> I said that David Montgomery would be a top 30 running back for the weeks 13 through 16. 
So kind of sort of fantasy playoffs. Mm -hmm. I said top 30. At that point, he had not been great. Obviously, last year was just a a dud, really. We can can say that. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Kind of a dud for Montgomery. The motherfucker finished as RB31. Oh, God, that's so sweet. 31. It brings such a smile to my face. (laughs) I hate you so much. So, but I respect you, goddammit. <laughs> so I'm going to crack open this steel reserve. Uh, wish me well. Uh, kudos. Jake, Dustin. Jake, Jake, Jake. You're, Jake, you're better Jake, than Jake, me. You're smarter Jake. than me. You're better, you're better looking than I am. It, enjoy. At least you recognize. Oh, oh, that is good. You're doing Wisconsin proud. I like it. Oh, oh my god! Oh my god! I hate every <laughs> fucking thing that I've ever done that led up to this point. Oh, it's like you weren't even out of, out of college a week, and you just put that home oh. like a champ. I am proud of you, Jake. Thanks. Bravo! I'm giving you applause. Bravo! Is that all right, though? That was great. Oh, you didn't even stop to like take a breath or anything. Like pause. Like you just took it like a champ. If there's one thing I do well, it's it's open up this throat. <laughs> This is true. Uh, I just, I want to throw every steel reserve away in every grocery store that I see now. Like, just to save people from themselves. I have a baby the size of all of my regrets in my stomach right now. Well, you deserve it because you lost the two beer bets, so. I know. You sound full of regret right now. <laughs> I'm full of the worst things in life. I am full of shame, uh, indignation, but also a little bit of pride somehow that I got through that without, you know, yakking all over my laptop. So. No, that's that's very impressive. I am very proud of you. Uh, thanks, Dustin. I needed to hear I, I that can't, right I, now. I can't even give you shit about it because, like I said, you took that like a champ. So, I mean, that's, hey. Thanks. Hey, look at that. You may have won the battle, but I have won the other battle. Nice. Good job, Andy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm going to need you to kick off our red flags list, by the way. Fair enough. Fair enough. So as we said in the outset here, we are talking about players we're avoiding or guys that potentially have red flags uh, for one reason or another. Uh, We will not most likely be drafting them, especially at their current ADP. So we'll kick it off with quarterbacks. My quarterback that I'm avoiding this year is Philip Rivers. Now, he's got multiple things working against him here. Not only the fact that he's 39 years old, which I know as far as quarterbacks go these days is is right in their prime apparently uh, with with yeah, TB12 and Breeze and, you know, he's should have no problems. But we did see last year that it looked like he'd lost something with his arm. And whether that had something to do with the offense they were on and, and his O-line not giving him the time he needed or or what, I'm not exactly sure. But he just he, – it looks like he took a step back and started to hit that that um, ledge that we're all afraid of with, with these aging quarterbacks. Uh, he just happened to be the first of, of these – long-term studs that we're used to uh, that that hit that cliff. Uh, and really the other thing that, that really concerned me is that he had the worst touchdown-to-interception ratio of his career. Uh, he only had 23 touchdowns to 20 interceptions. So 
uh, that's just not good. It's not like he didn't have weapons on his team. He had a ton of weapons, you know, with Mike Williams oh, yeah. and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and Austin Eckler. I mean, you name it. Uh, he had Melvin Gordon. I mean, they, they had nothing but offensive weapons. Uh, so either it was a function of the O-line being god-awful, which it was, or he just doesn't have it anymore. Uh, and I'm going for the latter. I just... And now he's moving to a new team in Indianapolis. He's got to learn a whole new offense with this kind of weird truncated offseason that we have. And they don't have any preseason games to even try to like work out some of the rust or, or kinks in the offense. So I just have major concerns about him this year. He's always been that fringe top 12-ish quarterback that you could draft super late, uh, always seemed to outplay his ADP. Uh, I just don't see that happening this year. So that's why I am going to avoid him. I think that's totally, I think that's totally fair. Um, the Philip Rivers thing. I, the thing you mentioned about the O-line is my only point in favor of him. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that I'm hoping for, I guess, if I have Philip Rivers on my roster, is that the improvement in O-line, which will be drastic from going to from L.A. over to Indy, it's going to be massive. Mm-hmm. So the thing is, like, can his arm make use of that, I guess? And for what it's worth, it's not that he couldn't throw the ball down the field last year. He was 16th. He was middle of the pack in terms of air yards per attempt. So it's not like he couldn't throw the ball down the field. It's just he couldn't throw the ball down the field accurately. (laughs) And how much of that was due to him being pressured? Mm -hmm. And how much of that was just due to an old noodle limb? I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. That's right. Is it also possible that this is so much more of a run-heavy offense this year? Um that that renders him like you don't see him gunsling maybe to the effect that some people more of a game manager type player yeah at this point that's a possibility i mean look and nothing against marlon mack like jonathan taylor there obviously our guy we love jonathan taylor he's going to Mm -hmm. dominate there absolutely marlon mack is capable enough he was fine last year he's a good running back he's solid yeah so if you have those two there and, you know, obviously Jonathan Taylor won Marlon Mack, too. But you have both of them there. Maybe they don't need to break out old Bill Rivers. And and what if T.Y. Hilton gets hurt again in fucking week three? Then what do you happen? mean? He's already pulled a hammy from what I've heard. So <laughs> <laughs> Gets hurt enough to where he has to sit out a game. Which it just seems, I, dude, when I heard that news, I was so bummed. Because, you know, I do like T.Y. Hilton. And I wanted him to be good this oh, year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I was seriously considering him at his ADP. And mm-hmm. now that's just kind of out the window. I, I'm off of him again. New new player yeah. for the player I'm avoiding right there, T.Y. Hilton. Not on the show <laughs> sheet. <laughs> Not on the show sheet. Unofficial. He is an yes. unofficial addition. That's right. No. So who's your quarterback, Jake? My quarterback is a rookie. So not a lot of options there if you're uh, doing process of elimination here. It's Joe Burrow, and I'm sorry, I guess, in quotes, I'm sorry to all of the Bengals folks out there and just the general Joe Burrow enthusiasts, uh, of which there are many, and rightfully so, I think, for the long term. For the long term, don't get me wrong, big Joe Burrow fan. I truly am. For the short term, I am zero points towards being a Joe Burrow fan. If I had 100 points to spread around to all of the players that I could be a fan of, he would get 0.0 of those points this year. Because, number one, it's the weird shortened offseason. And people, I don't know if it's just overall 
optimism now that we're seeing hard knocks come out and now we're seeing like general practices happening and and there's going to be some form of an nfl season that people Mm -hmm. are just getting really optimistic now and they're putting on the rose-colored glasses that everything's cool and and we don't have to worry about anything now we for sure do in terms of how this impacts rookies so a rookie quarterback coming in with um uh, an oft injured duo of wide receivers who to my knowledge i still think are basically the one and two there aj green and john ross sorry mm-hmm. you, you can maybe say auden tate is the number two um i think if if and when and while healthy it's john ross from what we saw last year anyways what, what, no um, tyler boyd to, oh sorry oh my goodness yes tyler boyd is the number two i apologize Come on, go to I my apologize. boy that way that was bad. That was rude of me. Blame it on the steel reserve. That was rude of me. All right, fair. <laughs> so, but if so, there's a very real possibility though that he could be going into the season, um, or say week three, with the same weapons that were there last year. After perhaps those two get injured, but even factoring that out of it, there's the O line concern, and a lot of folks are very high on the O line, and I get it because they had a rookie first round pick from last year that had to sit out the entire year and didn't get to go in. So I understand that that should make for an improvement. And in a regular offseason, I would be there with you. I think that that could very well happen. In this form of an offseason, I don't get it because you're inserting this guy who's had zero reps still, basically, with this offense. And now he's supposed to all of a sudden transform it from where they were 30th last year, by the way. And mm-hmm. He's supposed to apparently take it up to a top 10 offensive line by himself, and and I'm just not buying that at all. So it's nothing against Joe Burrow, and he could have the weapons there, hypothetically, if everybody stays healthy and good. Hey, A.J. Green maybe- supposedly looks just like a beast right now. He looks great. Yes, because every veteran player right now looks fantastic. <laughs> if, if Des Bryant suited up tomorrow... For the Saints, everybody would be going gaga about how he hasn't lost a step while running in shorts and being guarded by nobody. That's just how this part of the offseason works. All right. So I see you I'm hate AJ Green. That. Okay, that's fine. I'm not buying it yet. <laughs> he could prove me wrong, 100%. He could prove me wrong. But I'm just saying for right now, I'm not on board with any of it. And where his ADP will be for me, I, I can't. I can't and I won't. There are way too many other good kind of known quarterback options that are going around where he is that I just won't have him on any roster. It's, it, it won't it won't work for me. Okay. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I think he'll he'll have those weeks like uh, uh, God, I'm drawing a blank. I hate myself sometimes. Um, <laughs> Daniel Jones? Are we talking Daniel yes, Jones? Yes, thank you. God, it's mind meld right here. Oh my I, god. Uh, yeah, we're, like Daniel Jones last year, he had a handful of really good boom weeks where he balled out and did well, but then he also struggled a bunch of times as well and kind of let you down. So I feel like it's going to be a situation like that. Uh, I will say that Burrow's weapons are very good. He's got a lot of yeah. talent there. So maybe he'll do better than we think, but overall, I'm on board there. I, uh, I, I would like a more proven commodity than than Joe Burrow at this point. And just speaking about Daniel Jones, because you mentioned him, it's so funny because they're back to back in ADP right now. So would you rather have Daniel Jones at quarterback 15 or Joe Burrow at quarterback 16? I would take Daniel Jones. Yeah, same. I, same I think it's- he's going to take a, a step forward this year and. 
Yeah, I'm not calling for an all-world season by any means, uh, but I can see him easily uh, outplaying that ADP at this point. I love it. Can I take one quick second to just point out in our chat here, John Helmkamp being my MVP of, of rooting me on. I'm still feeling the effects of the Steel Reserve, but he said I didn't know David Bakhtiari was hosting this, and you don't know how much that made my heart swell. Uh, John Helmkamp, former guest of the show, by the way, um, and you should absolutely go back. And he was our first guest, if I'm not mistaken, our first guest for this year. You mm-hmm. should go back, find his episode, and listen to it. We talk about Jonathan Taylor, who was brought up just now. Yes. All right, moving on. Running backs. You ready? Yep. All right, yep. let's do it. So my running back is Nick Chubb that I'm I'm avoiding. And I will say when we were supposed to do this show about three weeks ago, and it kind of got pushed off uh, until tonight for, for various reasons, um, he was going at RB10 at that point. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little less avoidy, if that's a word. <laughs> I've no, cooled. Let's anyways. put this aside. I've, I've cooled a little bit on this, but still, it's a little rich right now. He is because I looked up the current ADP on him. Uh, he is currently ADP of running back twelve off the board, so still going as an RB one. I really have concerns about him this year uh, uh, for for multiple reasons. Uh, and, and I understand why his ADP has dropped with uh, Ceh. Uh, uh, getting the backfield now that Damien Williams has opted out and and that. So I understand why he's dropped a little bit. But I just – I really have concerns uh, with him this season with the new offense. Uh, they're they're going to be learning another new offense. And I know that doesn't necessarily affect running backs as much as other skill position players. But they are learning a new offense. And this is the big thing. From week, on, week nine on last year when Kareem Hunt returned – Hunt had more touchdowns, more receptions, 37 to Nick Chubb's 11, more receiving yards, 285 to 117, and they were almost even in fantasy points scored over that stretch, over the second half of the season. I I just have real concerns. We know Stefanski likes to use his running backs and have them super involved. They're a more run-heavy team. But when you have a dynamic talent like Kareem Hunt, who we've seen finish as a top running back in fantasy scoring and in, in, in the league for a season, you don't just have him on the bench to use as a part-time player. He's going to be very involved. So I just, I, I really question if if Nick Chubb is going to get that RB1 heavy workload that, that everybody's expecting. So... I just, I, and I just, I honestly, I don't see him finishing in the top twelve for running backs this season either. That may be hot takey, but that that's where I've got him. And at at the RB twelve, I, I would hope I could get someone that I feel like has more upside than him. Sure, sure. I I, I have to agree with you by and large there, just because of the specter of Kareem Hunt is so much bigger than the specter of any other running back two that's that's on a team right now there's there's no other talent that is at that level and we've talked about this since going back to last year where we said you know it's obviously could it could be nothing last year but this year we expected some things i don't think either of us expected him to stay in cleveland honestly but now the fact that he has means that they must have some some big plans for him Mm -hmm. i read a stat that kareem hunt finished with with uh, a fair amount of games that he was either neck and neck with chubb or just barely squeaked him out. 
um, in terms of fantasy points mm-hmm. in those eight games that he did play last year. So, and I don't know. Can we throw this out there? What if Stefanski? Or what if the What if the Browns' offense just says, um, "Boy, Kareem Hunt looks really good. We're going to do a hot hand approach this week, mm-hmm. and maybe Hunt gets more of the carries, not even passing work, more of the carries than Chubb does." Might be crazy. It might, again, it might be the steel reserve talking, but I actually think that that's a real possibility this year um, for a couple of games. Yeah, that very well could be. I don't see that necessarily happening. I still think Nick Chubb will have the the first and second down majority of that work, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities either. I mean, maybe they'll uh, use Cream Hunt a little bit more, knowing that he's on the last year of the contract, uh, and kind of use him more than they think they would, uh, mm-hmm. and save Nick Chubb a little bit. Who knows? Yeah, I just think it's kind of crazy to assume that Kareem Hunt won't have at least the same amount of work he did last year because mm-hmm. he came in kind of off the street midway through the year into that offense and then got worked in right away. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be foolish to assume he'd be used less, if anything, even though with the change in the, the offense. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm fully there with you. Um, now, I will say this was actually a much harder task for me to choose uh, a red flag player at running back than I thought after going through the the ADP. Because more than any other year I can remember, the ADP has just, it's been like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like people, it, it makes sense where people are drafting these players by and large right now. Maybe one exception would be CEH. He's going a tad bit high for me, but he's not a guy that I really want to avoid this year. But one guy that I am very much considering avoiding this year is Cam Akers. Cam Akers' rookie selection for the L.A. Rams this year is currently going at running back 26, and he's going right ahead of my guy Mark Ingram, which probably emphasized this a little bit more in my head than just <laughs> seeing that happen that way um, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big Mark Ingram believer for this year. Mm-hmm. But the things that concern me about Akers, it's not just that he's coming in as a rookie. There are plenty of rookie running backs who I don't think will be super affected by the weird offseason. But he's coming into a team that has already said so many times that it's kind of nauseating that they want to use an RBBC approach. And maybe after the first two or three times, you could read that as coach speak. But there's only so much of that you can hear over and over from the head coach before you ha- you're kind of forced to believe it. And his competition there sort of lends itself to that because Daryl Henderson was drafted 70th overall just a year prior Mm -hmm. and they had to use their second and third round pick to get him so the draft capital is there Mm -hmm. I know that he didn't impress last year fully understood fully understood that in his limited action that he got he didn't exactly impress he had some great runs I mean he had some highlight reel looking stuff and that was great and then he had some real dud runs again very small sample size But even Malcolm Brown there, they tendered him to keep him on. They could have easily let him go. You know, they had no real reason. I believe it was Detroit that came calling for him. Mm -hmm. They're like, no, we're going to keep him. Um, And they didn't have to do that unless they actually believed in him because they have other guys behind him that hypothetically they could have thrown up there. So the the, the faith in those two guys um, seems telling to me. The other big thing is the offensive line ranks 31st last year coming out of the season. So the hope, fingers crossed, is that it improves somehow. Um, it's not like they did a ton to address it this mm-hmm. offseason to make that magically appear. And again, the limited offseason could make that tricky even if they really went for it there. Um, so a 31st ranked offensive line 
for a guy that's working in what has to be a 50-50 split at best for right now until we see otherwise. And the other thing is, Dustin, I told you this yesterday that you have to start watching Hard Knocks only because it's like there's something to be had Which there. I actually started. did. I watched it last night. So uh, I was going to say oh, the no. proof will be in the pudding here with what we see on Hard Knocks if he's involved or not. But the other thing is that there's always that Hard Knocks bump that comes for somebody. And I can so easily see it being Cam Akers, mm -hmm. you know, the rookie flash there. Um, obviously, they could go other routes. They, they have no lack of, uh, of players this year because they're doing two teams. But I could so easily see Cam Akers going above where he's going right now at running back 26, creeping up to that running back 20 territory if he gets highlighted mm -hmm. enough on that show. And then I'm, just, I'm fucking, I'm fully out on Cam Akers and nothing against him. Dynasty perspective, love the guy. Redraft, I do not. Mm -hmm. Agree. Agree. Can we take an interlude here for, for a couple minutes and just talk about how disappointing Hard Knocks was for the very first episode? I mean, I, I love that there's actual like real football news and we can see football players and, yeah. and everything, but the episode itself was just disappointing. They had so much ground to cover. The problem is that like it's such a we, we keep talking about the weird offseason, so they had to dedicate so much time to that, it felt like. That, also, that was ninety percent. Also, they talked about was the COVID testing. I felt like in what they you were doing like to be safe. No, like I didn't need to see that. Maybe one player. Like, okay, we get it. You have to go through protocols to be testing, but I, they didn't talk about like their new stadium at all. I know they showed a little bit in like the the opening sequence. Uh, it was just I don't know. It was a little disappointing for the first My episode most part of it was that nobody knows how to wear a fucking mask in that episode or when or why or how and it's just like what do you what are any of you guys doing with your goddamn masks um so that was disappointing i i think that the first episode had to focus on a lot of that because i mean it's so prominent it you is have to really delve into it the hope i think is that the next episodes are a little more football related i i would hope so too I would hope so. So anyway, I just had to get uh, that off my chest here real quick before we move That's on. Fair. So we will be talking about the same wide receiver here. Uh, we're both avoiding the same wide receiver. Shocker. Uh, this never happened before. In the history of us choosing players at positions like this, this has genuinely never happened before. Do so, we want to announce it at the same time? Can we do like a countdown and then announce it simultaneously? So is it, is it one, two, three? No, it's it's all. First of all, it's always you always count down. It's oh, always so three, three two, one. one, and then I think we go after the one. So like but wait, like half a beat, like three, yeah, two, like one, silent go. It would be like three, two, one, go, but the go is silent, but you hear it in the same pace up in your head. And then it's after go, or is it on go? No, it's definitely after go. After go. To, all right. Yeah. So three, two, one, go. And then at the same pause rate, then we say the guy after. All right. So it's like three, two, one. It's kind of like Wayne's World where they're like, they're counting down and then they give the the silent it's finger exactly point. Like Rain, okay. Wayne's World. All right. All right. So are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, one. AJ Brown. AJ Brown. Oh, we were so close. Damn it. So yes, but it's Brown. It, it's AJ Brown. We both are not on him for this season. So why don't you start us off, Jake, and tell us why? And I will interject here uh, with why I also agree with you. <laughs> all right, sounds good. So I've I've been kind of on this warpath here all off season. If you've reflected on some of our previous episodes, you've known this that I just I have zero bones to pick with AJ Brown's talent. Zero. Like the guy might be. 
the the fifth best wide receiver to come out in the last five years. Like no bullshit. The guy is just well. There's no doubt about his talent. Exactly. My concern is his team. My concern is the Tennessee Titans offense um, and his his crazy high efficiency that he had last year, which good for him. Seriously, I want to take a minute to say that. Good for him because what he did in that offense with the people he had there and the limited targets that he had and everything, wonderful. But he had a 9.5% touchdown rate, which is absurd. It's patently absurd that anybody could hold on to that kind of touchdown rate. Remember Will Fuller? It must have been two years ago where everything he caught was a touchdown when he was healthy. That's basically what we saw from A.J. Brown this last year. It, it was that kind of outrageous efficiency, and you don't hold on to that. The other big issue, I mean, there's a few. I'll eventually let you interject, I promise. He was only on pace for 52 receptions while Ryan Tannehill was the starting quarterback. And I know that once Tannehill came on board, he really did bump up uh, his metrics pretty much mm-hmm. across the board. His disappearing acts weren't so frequent once Tannehill came into the picture. But even when he was there, 52 receptions, acknowledging he was a rookie, by the way, but that still put him 63rd on the list for receptions. That's uh, that's no good. I don't care how efficient you were, expecting him to be just as efficient, or maybe even more so, this year seems like a, a, a failure uh, upon drafting. Mm-hmm. The other issue is that I don't expect those attempts to go up in general for the whole team because Tennessee, under Mike Vrabel, has ranked 31st in pass attempts every year. 31st. That's just barely not the worst. So what they And what they did work last year worked super well. Mm-hmm. They got to the fucking AFC championship game basically on Derrick Henry and just running him into the ground. They still have Derrick Henry. Why not continue to do? You don't have to make a monumental adjustment to what you're doing to the offense if you got to that. You can make small tweaks, obviously, but you don't need to overhaul the whole fucking system when you still have that stuff running back there. And I like Darienton Evans. That's mm-hmm. my last point. I like Darienton Evans. Fair enough. See, there's a few things here. One, um, I noticed how you said he was 63rd, I think you said, in receptions overall. Um, he was a little bit higher in targets, but still only 47th overall in targets. I mean, he's just not getting there. There's not the volume there that that a uh, uh, highly regarded wide receiver is should get on that team. And he only had 19 and a half percent target share on his team. Typically, with the number one wide receiver on your team, you like to see that like in that 25 percent range. Uh, we again, it, it goes back to the volume. You know, you're getting that volume, and he's just not getting that. And then also. My boy, Johnu Smith, I'm expecting him to take a big step this year. So that is part of the reason as well. But I agree. They were so damn efficient last year that there's no way that they can keep that up this year again. Uh, I, I expect the team as a whole to kind of take a step back and regress a bit. Not saying that they're going to do necessarily worse in the win-loss column, but but statistically I expect you know all the major pieces to take a, a step back. And don't forget, Corey Davis is still on the team. No, I will. I will actively and willfully forget that at every turn. I think turn. everybody wants to. I had to bring it up though, because he could still be a thing. The fifth-year breakout, Devontae Parker. It could yeah. be a thing. Damn it! I hate Devontae Parker only because he proved to certain people that it can happen at any time for their favorite wide receiver, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is real frustrating. It is. It is. So yeah, do you- I think. 
Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, do you want to uh, give us your honorable mention here since we were both in agreement for the wide receiver? Just to switch things up a little bit. I do. Again, this is the first time that we've ever done this where we've overlapped like this for such a, a crucial guy there. Um, so I, I feel like I have to at least put in an honorable mention here, and his name is Alan Lazard. His ADP, by the way, is fine. This is not an ADP argument in any way. He's super low right now. He's down in uh, about wide receiver 60. So, you know, when you get to that range, you really have to nitpick to be like, oh, I'm not going to take that guy. So allow me to nitpick so I can tell you why not to take that guy. Um, it's because the hope, the hope, and this is still just based off of offseason coach speed, um, is because Packers head coach came out and said, you know, he looks great. We show people film of him and, and showing about extra effort. And, and how to put everything into a play. Great. Love it. I hope for the real team that Alan Lazard is a fucking monster on, like, the 50 receptions that he has uh, for that year. But he also is in bad company because even if he is the wide receiver two in Green Bay, and that's still kind of an if for me, even if he is, and I know Funches got cut and all that. Don't come at me with that. He didn't get Funches. cut. Come on. He opted out. He didn't get cut. There's a difference. So, sorry. That's that's a fair distinction. I apologize for that. I mean, Nothing I know he hasn't lived up to ex- expectations, but come on. That's true. That's I, I apologize. <laughs> he was cut from my mental space. All right. Fair uh, enough. For this year. Uh, but, but the thing is, wide receiver two in Green Bay has just not been a thing for the last six years, basically. Mm-hmm. Somebody had posted a stat trying to kind of hype up Alan Lazard. And and that's, again, nothing wrong with hyping up your guy during the offseason. But it was basically, well, as the wide receiver two in Green Bay, you can look forward to a top 25 kind of finish. It's not been the case for Green Bay. The last In the last five years, they've had one wide receiver two finish inside the top 25. Well, let's be honest, as we just talked about uh, with the Titans and A.J. Brown, that's not the offense they run anymore. You know, it's not the Mike McCarthy uh, gun it down the field, that Aaron Rodgers run around the field for 10 seconds and then chuck it. It, it, It's more of a run-heavy, run-oriented offense where they're not asking Rodgers to put it all on his shoulders anymore and, and chuck the ball around. So that's just not a reality anymore. And that's the thing. It's like even when that offense was doing that kind of running gun style and, and, you know, bombing out, it still didn't produce great wide receiver fantasy twos lately. Mm -hmm. So, hey, let's just say they throw out the new style of of running it down your throat because why not? It still still to me would be a risky proposition to believe that for Lazard. But at that ADP, I I could understand it it if it was the old offense. Now, you bring in A.J. Dillon. They obviously did that. For a very clear reason, they brought in a fullback, tight end, whatever hybrid to just really emphasize that running style. Rodgers' uh, pass attempts were kind of inflated due to a couple of uh, really great games last year, too. So even mm-hmm. if you look at those stats, I don't see that transferring over this And if you year. really want to hear more about Aaron Rodgers, go back and listen to our uh, Sleepers and Busts episode because we talked a whole bunch about why Aaron Rodgers is going to be a bust, uh, which ties in perfectly to this. Absolutely, absolutely. But guys going around his ADP, just to give a real quick uh, idea of what to expect, my whole thing is, like, it doesn't matter what an, uh, a guy's ADP is. There are just some guys that I don't want on my team. It doesn't matter how low they get. And the wide receiver, two in Green Bay, is typically one of those. But it's like, would I rather have Lazard or Paris Campbell this year? I'd Ooh, take give Paris me Paris Campbell. Campbell. 
yeah, I'd take that shot, right? Mm-hmm. Would you rather have Lazard or Larry Fitz? Oh, give me Fitz. Give me Fitz in that. I, and I know he's old, and I know it's just safety and all that. But yeah, it doesn't matter. Wait, would you rather have him or Randall Cobb? For me, it's still Randall Cobb. Uh, probably Randall Cobb, just because I know none of those wide receivers are going to stay healthy on that team. And he's a target <laughs> monster. And James Washington and Ryan Edwards and even Tyrell Williams I would rather have at this point, I think, mm. above Lazard. And these guys are much Tyrell, further but... down the ADC. Yeah? He's yeah. your cutoff? Yeah, that, that might be my cutoff there. But he's well down the list beyond right. him. And, and so that's my point. Is like If you're just going for dart throw guys, still make those dart throws a little bit more reasonable with their ceiling, I guess, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I agree. All right. All you right. want to do tight end? Well, we should. I know we like to avoid tight ends on this uh, podcast, but, yeah, we should do yeah, it. Yeah, we're loose ends or nothing, people. All right? <laughs> All right. Do you want to lead us off here, or do you want me to go? I let off last time. I feel like I have to concede to you here. All right. So I know there's going to be a lot of disagreement on this uh, player in particular. And that's okay. We're all out here to have our own opinion. But my tight end, I'm avoiding. And again, this is based on ADP and and what I feel like the situation is. It's Tyler Higby. Uh, I am just not a believer that what we saw at the end of the season is what we're going to see this upcoming year. I, I just don't see it. I think Gerald Everett is is going to be the tight end to own. And and I will say, they'll both probably have their fantasy-relevant weeks. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I just – we saw that he got um, 59% of his points in the last four weeks of the season. And don't get me wrong. That is impressive. That is – elite production in those four weeks like he was balling out hardcore yeah, that's big time i just oh i just don't see this being the future like like he i just don't like it so <laughs> <laughs> oh i just i just i'm, I'm so worked up i can't even talk about it not like it shut up about it <laughs> yes but um through week 10 um when everett uh he got injured in week 11 so through week 10 Everett had more offensive snaps than Higby. So he was seeing the field much more often. Uh, through that same week, uh, Everett had uh, Everett was tight end 14. So he was just outside uh, number one tight end, where Higby was way down at tight end 36. So he, it, he was barely involved. Um, and the other thing that I just I, I can't get off of this is that Everett was the first pick from Sean McVay in that team uh, when he came in and took over. He was the first pick that he decided he needed to have on his team was Gerald Everett. And we all know that tight ends take a few years to get up to speed and and get on board. So I just, and the ADP between the two of them is ridiculous. Right now, Tyler Higby, uh, as I'm looking at fantasydata.com, Tyler Higby is going as the tight end nine off the board. Tight end nine for five weeks worth of production, where Gerald Everett is way down at tight end 27. I mean, give me Gerald Everett all day long. I think he's going to be outproducing Tyler Higby, and he's going to be a huge bust this year. I just, I don't, I just don't see huge, it. Huge, you said. No, you said huge. I want that in big black letters on a koozie that we can send out for this podcast. Tyler Higby, huge bust. Huge. I love bust. That. Yes, I just, 
I, I just don't understand the hype. <laughs> it's it does seem to be where you fall in the line for that argument if you're looking at Higby versus Everett. From what I've seen at least, and I don't really have a dog in this fight, but it's just do you trust the draft investment or do you trust what happened after the injury? Do you trust pre or post injury, I guess, to Gerald Everett is the question. Right. And I mean, Tyler Higby, he's twenty seven years old in his fifth season. And like I know I just said tight ends take a few years to uh to come aboard, but really, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, like I said, this this burst of, of production, I just don't think is is the reality of what the long term is going to be for him. And, and I think that if you are drafting him this year at that ADP, you are going to be severely disappointed. Hey, I think that's fair. I really do. I, I think that's completely fair to have that expectation and if i can just bolster your argument even a tiny bit more oh please i'm do. looking on fantasy pros rankings right now he's he's tight end eight there he's even one more up uh from where you're looking so yeah that's that's dicey mm-hmm. i remember I mean, when we had jj zacharyson on the podcast drink listeners by the way for the name <laughs> drop there but he talked about uh, the middle that middle cluster of tight ends mm-hmm. when you're drafting to just basically avoid all those guys. It was a Vance McDonald type last year. Higby to me seems to be in that vein of that weird middle ground. Like why not just wait until the last rounds to get somebody who could very well do what he does, but at, at, at eight rounds further out ADP. Yeah. I just, and I don't understand just the huge discrepancy in ADP right now between the two. I really don't because I, I could see them. I, I, I would even, could say that maybe they'll have a 50 50 split and they'll both be fantasy irrelevant you know that's more of a possibility than higby being the number one tight end in that offense in my opinion i just people have that recency bias and they remember the end of the season when he balled out huge and they forget that the first you know two-thirds of the season he did nothing so it's fair all right take us home here jake who do you have Hey, listeners, I'd take Blake Jarwin over both of them, by the way. Hey, I'm right there with Uh, you, too. (laughs) But if I'm talking about a player to avoid at tight end, this is another tough one because, again, a lot of this just seems like once you get past the first five options at tight end, typically you're just looking at who's the best streaming option, Mm -hmm. by and large. This year is a little bit different, though. This year I actually do think there's a, a big mess of quality tight ends. I could be completely wrong because I'm sure other people have said this in previous years and then half those guys busted. But it just does feel like there is actually a good group of guys at the top. One of those guys who I don't feel like necessarily belongs with that group is Darren Waller this year. So he is my bus candidate, my player to avoid here for, for tight ends this year. He's going as tight end five. Ooh. So it's Kelsey Kittle, Ertz, Andrews, giant gap, presumably, Darren Waller. I am not going to have a a single team that has Darren Waller on it. The big deal with Waller last year is that he had nobody to compete with for targets. Mm -hmm. Nobody. We were talking about him before. Tyrell Williams was his primary competition for targets in the Raiders' offense. They have added such an influx of players there. Brian Edwards was another name that we just mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was basically Waller and Renfro, once he came on, too, had uh, a spell there, you know, where he was he was the competition. And speaking of Hunter Renfro, very small sample size out the gate, but the splits with and without Hunter Renfro 
on the second half of the season, crazy. I mean, just crazy. How much less production Darren Waller got when a rookie like Hunter Renfro was out there in the second half of the season is preposterous. It was a uh, uh, almost four points per game deduction from Darren Waller. So yes, Jay, uh, excuse me, John Gruden loves his tight ends, and he's pronounced this many times on the social media, on the regular media. He's a big fan of tight ends, but now he also has some competition to be utilized at tight end when when he had limited use of uh of another tight end in in the raiders offense waller also crept down jason witten's coming in and jason witten is not fantasy relevant okay that's not what i'm saying at all but Please he's don't. relevant enough <laughs> he's relevant enough to leach some targets though he is and I, I know that there's the common thought going out there of he's basically uh, like a veteran QB coming in to coach the room kind of vibe. I don't buy that shit for tight end. I just patently don't. Um, if you're going to bring in somebody like that, you're going to use him a little bit, and it's going to hurt Darren Waller and Foster Moreau if healthy, which, by the way, to this point, mm -hmm. I have actually not heard that he's not healthy, which is what I have, would have expected maybe a month or two ago because he had that knee surgery and that, that big knee issue that, um, that kind of derailed him last year i kind of expected like well if moreau's out maybe i could see a venue for waller but everything i've heard seems like or, or not heard mm -hmm. seems like moreau could actually be on pace to get back into that offense this year so no like he is a an athletic stud too waller is as well mm -hmm. but so is moreau so if anything i could see maybe more of a ram split with the tight ends than mm -hmm. what people are hoping for waller and now you're investing your tight end five on darren waller so you're getting him. You still have to take the tight end five kind of early in your redraft. That's not a place that I'm going to be. No, I agree. I I was really high on him last off season. I really believed the 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 drum beat that was that was coming out of camp and everything. And and I really uh, planted my flag with him. I, I I really liked him last year. But I also agree this year. I think there's going to be some regression there. And to take him at his ADP of tight end five. Oh, that's rich. And I just, again, you're kind of get starting. That's the start of that tier where it's like you can pick up to like another 15 guys and they all could finish in that five to 20 range. You know, it's, it's, it's ugly once you get past those top tight ends. So I would rather take my chances on, yeah. on one of the young, you know, up and coming or, or potential studs out there, uh, and take them, you know, potentially with the last pick of my draft, rather than taking Darren Waller in what, like the fifth round or something. Uh, I just, yeah, I, I, I would rather do that and take my shot because you can always stream tight ends. Uh, and and mm -hmm. if you're if you're using one of your end of the uh, draft picks for him, you know, at that point you can just stream and and play the matchups, which I would rather do than than spend that high draft capital on a onesie position like that. Like, I'm okay if you get your top three at the, you know, if you get your Kelsey, your Kittle, your Ertz, and you, that way you don't have to stream, because sometimes mm -hmm. it could be just frustrating to stream. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's a little, for me at least, it's a little difficult to project sometimes week to week for the tight end mm -hmm. more than the other positions. So, you know, I get that. But yeah, it's like, it, if, if Las Vegas's, I have to get used to saying that, but if Las Vegas's draft had not unfolded the way it did, and they stuck with just some kind of scrubs there at the wide receiver position. Sorry, that was rude. That was actually too rude. They are not scrubs. They are good quality NFL wide receivers.
but less so than on other teams, mm-hmm. um, then I'd be more inclined to go for Waller. But no, like your Edwards, uh, your which I am so high team. on him. If I swear to God in my my draft here that if he is hanging around with one of my last few picks, I will probably take a shot on him. Uh, just some things I've been hearing about him and. I, I just I'm getting more and more turned on to him every day, uh, and I know we're typically, you know, no rookie wide receivers uh, to start the year, but he is someone I I may take that shot on because I don't know I, I'm I'm starting to get a feeling I'm starting to get a warm and fuzzy feeling in the nethers about him. <laughs> that that both uh, makes me cringe but also makes me really happy to hear i mean that's the thing it's like these rookies i'm not expecting the rookies themselves it's like i said with witten i'm not expecting the rookies themselves to come in and dominate but i am expecting them to come in and take some touches so like henry ruggs yeah i'm not going to probably take him at his adp either but i do trust that he's going to come in and take uh, a big gulp of those targets oh big gulp huh <laughs> see you later <laughs> jinx jinx right. you owe me never drinking a steel reserve again <laughs> <laughs> all right uh anything else to add here about darren waller before we close out the show no i actually i do want to say on a personal note i actually just saw this on twitter yesterday darren waller celebrating three years of sobriety mm. that's fantastic i am a big yes. fan I know congratulations sir because yeah, i know he's ironic. listening to the show so obviously he'll hear this but no that's awesome us in our podcast i know mm-hmm. that might seem disingenuous it is not that is seriously no. super awesome yeah no that is seriously um, awesome i wish that guy the best of luck so mm-hmm. i do hope for his personal sake that he actually is i said on twitter last week that i think he could be more of a gary barnage than like a greg olson just in terms of fantasy production and mm-hmm. you know he had that big one year breakout and then could fade away i hope for his sake that is not true i really hope that he has a fucking smash year um so just wanted to point Mm -hmm. that out because that that's very awesome that that really is so thank you for doing that um well folks i think that does it for this week's show thank you for joining us as always find us on the twitter at drinking fantasy give us your drunk trades we love to hear about them we love to share them and and commiserate with you and or make fun of you or your league mates, preferably if it's your league mates. Uh, uh, We'd rather have that. But uh, we do enjoy hearing those, so hit us up in our DMs, please. We will um, keep those in mind for future episodes where you can be uh, have the shout out and featured, I guess, if if you're so inclined. Uh, But you can find me on Twitter at FFDustyDog. And you can find me at Jake Trowbridge. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Thank you.